Blog Talk Radio. Radio, and I'm your host, Jeff Godbold. Uh, we've got kind of a fun show uh, lined up tonight. Um, as you guys know, we uh, try to stick to Corrales as much as possible, and tonight uh, will not disappoint. We've got John Martin coming on to talk about um, some of his uh, Emerald Treeball projects and uh, some of his Amazon Treeball projects. Um, John has a pretty diverse collection. He's got a wide array of uh, Corrales species that he keeps. And uh, this is actually going to be one of the first times, I, I think this is the first episode we've ever touched on the uh, Caninus and the Batesi hybrids. And John has had some success uh, producing uh, two or three litters of those. So I want to talk about that, kind of pick his brain and uh, his approach to keeping Corrales uh, tree boas. But before we get into that and before we bring John on, I want to give a shout out and a quick thanks to our sponsors. As you guys know, uh, Corrales Radio is brought to you by Reptile Basics Incorporated, first and foremost, 
they make a great uh, product to go. So if you're looking and you're in the market, be sure and hit up Rich. Let them know that I sent you. They also sell a number of different uh, husbandry-related products. So regardless of the size of your collection, I'm sure you can find several things uh, that will suit your needs. Uh, next is Pangea Reptile. As you guys know, uh, I do like to dabble with geckos and bioactive setups. And Pangea uh, Reptile has been a great uh, supporter of the channel. Uh, Matt um, sells quite a few uh, products that are exclusive to his company. He also produces some amazing geckos. So if you like bioactive setups and you like uh, any type of tropical gecko species, make sure you hit up Matt. He's got a lot of cool stuff. And um, he'll get you all taken care of. So I uh, had kind of a fun week. Uh, just to give you guys kind of an update with me, um, I was able to go on vacation with my family down to the Yucatan Peninsula, uh, down in uh, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. We stayed in an echo resort. So what that means is uh, it's not like a hotel like what you would typically stay at. The resort's actually built around Mayan ruins, uh, cenotes, and it's on a preserve. So uh, it's, the buildings are all really spread out, and you wake up, there's like wild monkeys running around see lots of really cool wildlife. There's lots of nature trails. Uh, we saw a lot of uh, spiny-tailed iguanas that are just wild roaming around. Um, these other animals, they're kind of, they kind of have like a prehensile tail. To me, they're kind of a cross between uh, a monkey and a um, raccoon, uh, but they're called koi cheese. Um, the, uh, the native Mexicans say that they are more of a cross between a bear and a raccoon, but I couldn't distinguish that uh, with a bear because I, I just didn't see it. They were really small. Anyway, uh, filmed all that, so I've got three episodes on our YouTube channel. Uh, Godboy Exotics um, will be coming out that uh, show everything that I caught on camera. There'll be a lot of stuff that isn't reptile related, just so you guys, just to give you guys a head, heads up. But we did a lot of zip lining, ATV, ATV riding. I also um, went uh, snorkeling and, and rode a raft through, like, some caves and stuff like that. All this stuff is not man-made. It's all natural. So it was a really, really cool vacation. And uh, there was also some pretty beach uh, beaches that we were staying by. So had a lot of fun. Um, but uh, if any of you guys uh, are interested, make sure that uh, you reach out to me if you'd like to support the channel. You can do so by a one-time payment uh, sent to godboldexotics at gmail.com. can be big or small. It could be five bucks. Uh, it could be as much as you, as you want. Um, all of it's appreciated. All of it goes back into the channel, which isn't free. Also, if you'd like to do something like a one, two, three dollar, five dollar monthly uh, donation, then uh, that comes with some perks, and you can head over to the uh, Patreon page at patreon.com slash Jeff Godbold, so that's my name, and uh, you can donate there. So really quick, really easy, and it's secure, so you don't have to worry about any of the uh, any of the spam stuff or them getting a hold of your information. But uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring John on and um, kind of start start the episode. John, you there? I'm here. How you doing? Good, good. How are you doing? Not too bad. 
I'm glad you uh, were able to get on. I know we had kind of a um, rough time kind of setting things up. Uh, you're three hours ahead of me, and um, I just got back in the country the day before yesterday. So, <laughs> Right. Now, now, where do you live, Jeff? I'm out in California. I'm actually from Florida, oh, okay. um, from North Florida. So I'm an East Coaster, but I've been living out in California uh, for the last five years. Right. Now you're you're in Jersey, right, or New York? Yeah. Yes, I am Jersey. Jersey. Cool. Yep. So yeah, you. I miss the East Coast. I I you know lived there my whole life mostly. Um, and uh, I like it quite a bit, but yeah, you know, this is this is where I am. This is where the job has me for the next few years. So hopefully, uh, after our youngest graduates, we can make it back to Florida. That's kind of the plan. Yeah, yeah. But, I thought um, you lived so, in Florida. Yeah, that, my number is a Florida number. So um, whenever I call people, right. they see the nine hundred four area code. It pops up as Jacksonville, Florida, and folks get surprised whenever they hear that I'm out in California, but I, I've had that number for so long. I just didn't want to change it. I got you. So before we get talking about Amazons and Emerald, I kind of wanted everybody to um, get a little uh, snippet of your background and how you kind of, what brought you to, uh, to corral a species? Like what, what made you want to start keeping them? If you could take a couple minutes. Well, I became fascinated with them when I was a kid. And I started looking at different books of pythons and boas. The emerald tree bull was always my favorite because it was such a big head and big teeth. And I was really always interested in those, the way they shot the trees. The Amazons were secondary. I didn't really get into those for a long time. But I always loved the emeralds, especially the Amazon basins, because it was back in the 70s. When they were the only ones coming in, I didn't even notice two different subspecies. <clears throat> it was oh, all yeah. classified as one back then. Right. I always thought that I was going to see my first narrow tree was a big, big stripe on it. I was really disappointed when I saw my first northern animal. Skinny, uh, unhealthy looking import. I saw it so how long 16. have you been keeping them? Oh, I've been having emeralds on or off for about. 30 years. Goodness. Yeah, 52 now. I think I have my first emerald was about 19. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got somebody on here that's got some experience keeping them. Yeah, well, no expert. Of course you're not, because you never stop learning. If you are an expert, True. don't get Marino. <laughs> I've had him on, I think, once or twice. I think we had him on he's, times. If I want to, if I, he's, if I remember he's right, the, he's probably the wisest person when it comes to corrals and emeralds in the world. You know, he's got the yeah, experience. He's some amazing I, met him, I met him thirty years ago at a reptile show, and he says, "I just have a first letter of emerald tree rose." I said, "Oh, really? What do you want? What do you be asking for?" Him? He's, "I'm not selling any of them," and he, he stuck to his guns. Now you got the best collection in the world. Yeah, well, he rarely sells any now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hard to get involved with anything do, good, you know? All you got to do is ask him one. He'll tell you no. 
I know. Well, I'm saying I'm kind of like the same way. I'm just trying to start my colony now, and I got about 14 animals, but I'm not really looking to sell any of them now because I want to do myself a good breeding group. You can't start start that by selling your offspring, you know. Right. So, since you kind of touched on that, could you tell everybody like what you keep? Like, just give us a run through of what's in your collection right now. Well, I just sold the majority of my collection because I want to give her everything, just concentrating the emeralds. I've got annulated bows, Amazon tree bows, um, uh, northern emeralds, basins, and um, I got some carpet pythons from Jaguar phase. And okay. That's really about it right now. So you, you used to actually have uh, some chondros and like jag pondros and some car pondros, didn't you? Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm for, I'm forgetting the car pondros and the, and the chondros. I still got some of those too. I want to get one pair of car pondros left. I really want to get rid of those. Get out of them. The, right. the chondros just don't do it for me like the emeralds do. I just want to get rid of everything but except the emeralds so I can really focus. Yeah, um, I've always envied those guys that can uh, streamline their collections and only keep one or two species. I, I've, I'm, I don't know if it's just ADD or or whatever, but I just love keeping multiple different things. I'm kind of getting to a place now where I can appreciate different species without having to keep a pair of them. Um, yeah, I don't have. I like to call it uh, muttonitis because it's kind of like Nick. Nick keeps a lot of different things and usually breeds, yeah. breeds whatever he keeps. But um, for me, I, I just don't think I could that many species. And usually when I start letting my buying run amok and acquiring different things, I lose sight of what my uh, initial intent was. So In my experience, when I have too many different types of animals, you can't really set the one room up to accommodate everything, you know? And then, right, um, right. I keep just one species. I can really focus on the species, and that's what Marino did. Hoping to do something like what he did with the crosses. I really like the crosses. Yeah, I kind of wanted to kind of start talking about those with you, since you know we've never had anyone on that that has had, that keeps crosses quite to the level you do. And I'm not a. I'll preface. I'm not a huge cross fan myself. I'm kind of a purist yep. at heart with everything, but. But I do mm-hmm. think they're beautiful animals, and yeah, they're just getting I'm better and better the more generations you breed. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to pick your brain and see what you thought about uh, sparked your interest in the hybrids and how um, I guess how you started that project. That you know, I, my intent with this episode was kind of to um, cater to those folks who do like the hybrids and. If there are any, mm-hmm. is anyone out there that kind of wants to dabble and start that project, um, maybe having you on board could could help them move in the right direction. Yeah, I would hope so. I bred my first uh, basin northern crosses back in '03, but I was in a small basin apartment, and there was mold issues in there. I lost them all because of air quality. I'm in a place now where um, I got everything upstairs in, in a room. I got fresh air coming in one ear and blowing out the other other window. So the air quality is really good. I had a lot more success. I bred them 
um, the last three years. The first year I did um, a, uh, a 50-50 cross to a female northern, and um, I got 25% uh, basin crosses out of that. So, and those are really pretty snakes. I mean, the uh, the one female I get back got really brilliant, brilliant white honor. And they all across the seem to have it right up to the back of the head, except for one that are bruised out of a litter. It has very minimal uh, gray or soot up on the top, top quarter, quarter of the body going off to the neck. And um, the, uh, the the other, all the other ones have real, real clean white right up to the neck. You don't see that with them, these are basins. And uh, yeah, the one with the soot. What's that? Go ahead. I was going to ask, have you, across the litter, have you seen the same types of markings? Or within the same litter, do you have some that resemble the basin appearance a little bit more and some the the northern appearance? Or is it all pretty much a general look? The most recent litter I had were 75% basins. And they have more of a yellow belly like a basin does. And this is the first litter I produced like that. But there's only three in that litter. One of them striped. How big were the but other litters? What's that? How large were the other litters? I think I got your other litters? six in my... What's that? I was just curious what Say how it. large the other litters were. Yeah. I was... Uh, the first litter I had was back in 03, and that was six babies. These have always been first-time females. So I'm kind of excited to see what I'm going to get this year out of my second-time female. Um, the second litter, I think, was 10 babies. The one in 16 was 10 babies. And um, that was from big, big female northern. And um, the third litter... Unfortunately, I lost most of their letter. It was 50-50 cross, bred back to 50-50 cross, and they produced some spectacular babies. But unfortunately, I was in a hospital getting heart surgery, and I had to go to rehab. During the time in the rehab, I lost the best ones I've ever seen. So um, I, there was a heat wave in here, and the, the guy I had to take care of my animals here at the time um, he can only make it over every other day. I think I lost a lot because he and there's there's a, a premature premature babies were born according to Ed Marine who looked at pictures and he said it could have been an umbilical infection too. They killed the babies, the uh, really good ones. But I still got a few left and uh, two of them are really nice. One's not so hurt so hot looking. Say again? No, go ahead. What's that? Yeah, I still got uh, a trio of those left, but the male is really small, and he's not. He's a live mouse feeder. One of the females is a live mouse feeder also, and um, she was born with a kink in her tail, but she's got the best laterals I've ever seen on animal she before. And that's kind of what I'm tra- aiming to breed for is uh, the laterals. They got really pretty laterals on them, and a lot of them have nice blue that comes through on them. 
And um, I also enjoy that. Most of the contras you see out there have some amount of blue, but very few emeralds. Right. So how are how are you keeping these guys? Um, I've seen your cages, which I like quite a bit. I think I asked you about them one time, and they're they're homemade cages. Could you explain a little bit, like your approach to keeping your your emeralds? Yeah, well, I have them all in cages. They're pretty roomy for these snakes that I put in, put in them. But they're all built out of birchmere plywood, lined on the inside with formica, sealed really well, and I've got plenty of ventilation for the snakes. And in the room where I keep the uh, snakes, I always have fans blowing. So there's never still, still a snake there anywhere in the room. And in the wintertime, what I'll do is put... Um, some uh, coconut mulch on the bottom of the cages and the trays. They have pull-out trays, so it's like cleaning a bird cage. It's it's not that big a deal. It's, the uh, tray gets dirty. You can pull the tray out of the cage and put it on your work workbench to clean it. That way, everything stays nice and clean. Now, I put gotcha. mulch in there during the winter months because so I can wet it and keep the humidity higher. I just got done today taking my last three cages that still have mulch in them and replacing them with paper. I use freezer paper on the uh, cages in the, in the uh, summer months because the humidity's relative humidity's higher. And it's gotcha. a lot easier to keep clean. You can spot it from across the room and it defecates in it. So you really got to look when it's, uh, you got mulch in there now. You know, I would think almost walk around the room and open every cage to uh, and sniff, smell it. You know, right? I would think those drawers make it really convenient. You know, you don't have to really get in there and mess with the animal. You know, oh yeah, really move anything around. Yeah, there's around. no interaction with the animal whatsoever. The perches are all removable, so I don't have to ever wrestle a snake off the perch to, to check it out and make sure it's healthy. Um, what was I to say? That's pretty and cool. And the drawers you um, pull right out. Yeah, and that makes me think too. Like just the the sheer um, hours it takes you to clean your room probably are cut yeah. tremendously by being able to to use the drawers. I think ease of maintenance is everything when it comes to keeping your collection clean. It's not easy to keep clean. You're not going to keep it clean. Sure, and and I also think it makes it more enjoyable, just as a hobby yeah. in general. Um, just, you know, no doubt about it. First place I go when I come home home from any place is right into my snake room. I check it three times a day, morning, lunch, and uh, nighttime before I go to bed. So that way, everything is always real clean in there. And the room never smells of anything unless the snakes just take a red, fresh defecation. That's about, right. Uh, I'll keep everything real clean. Now, you, for anyone who hasn't seen your cages, you're using, uh, was it like acrylic from nylon dowel rods? And then you use, do you use radiant heat panels as heat? Or radiant heat panels and acrylic rods that mount up on some polycarbonate strips size of the cage um, the uh, the rods are crisscrossed like a tic-tac-toe 
um, and wire tied at the joints with the uh, green wire ties, and that way the snakes have a place, infinite place to get near or away from the heat if they want. I got right. two levels in here, one down below and one up top. Usually about eight tenths on the floor in a low low solid cage, and about probably two feet from the, from the uh, bottom of the top solid cage. Most of the, all my cages are three feet high, and um, the smaller ones are two feet wide. I have twelve of those, and I have three. I'm sorry, eight three by three cages, which are they're all sixteen inches deep to make it. Uh, Economical when you're cutting plywood, you can get three pieces of 15, 17 inch board. And uh, that, that all came into account when I was building these things. It took a long time to build them. But they so all, all they worked really well. Deep. They're all 15 inches deep, 16, I mean. Okay, gotcha. So you get three 15 and 17 inch pieces, you got to allow for a curve cut of the blade out of a sheet of plywood. 48 inches wide. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I've seen your your pictures. They look great. Yeah, thanks. So, um, it sounds like you've produced four to five litters of these uh, hybrids? I've had four so far. I'm on pace maybe to do two this year, we'll see. Okay. Oh, I say hybrid, but, should be. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure these things have, it, there's some naturally occurring uh, breeding that goes on between the two species, I would imagine. Yeah, it's probably a lot like a dormant cover cross. Right, yeah, more of a Yeah, it's more of an integrated, I think, you know? Right. And now, some have you the, ever read? Uh, some, go ahead, say what you say. No, go. You, I'll save my question after it because I think you had something to, to touch on that has to do with what we were talking about. I uh, just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> what I was going to ask was, ha, have you ever bred uh, AT, uh, Amazon tree bullets with emeralds before? Yes. Yes, I you did have. that back in 2003 and 2004. I had two litters from the same male and different females. They were northern animals, and the babies were spectacular, but they just don't survive. That's what the problem was. They always had shedding problems, and um, over the years, the oldest one I ever had live was nine years old. It was a female, and the males always started dropping off before the females did. Slowly died. They developed deformities, tumors, and stuff, and um, it was just terrible. I didn't sell any of them. I wanted to keep them all to see what was going to happen with them. I didn't want to sell them pe- people snakes that were going to die on them, you know. So I kept right. them all back, and and um, I was never able to reproduce them. They bred like crazy with each other, but never produced anything. I did so, produce so two babies. And one female, at the nine years old, I bred her with a red male Amazon. And these these hybrids are all multicolored; they're almost pixelated with the colors on them. It's crazy. Most of them, they mostly look like an Amazon tree boa. 
um, just crazy looking pattern on them, and a little heavier, you know, right between the Emerald's body weight and the Amazon's body weight. Wow. I, I, that's one cross I would love to to see because I know what happens in the wild, but I wonder why they don't. I, I don't know what. I don't know what happens in the wild. I know Stan Shears oh, really? back in the day had a few come in, and uh, my theory was maybe the animals are put into quarantine where the Amazons are with the females that are receptive, and they get nailed in quarantine. But there's never been one found in the wild. Hmm. Stan yeah, got all his baby from grab females to come in. Hmm. You That's interesting. They are so beautiful, though. They're gorgeous. It was some of the prettiest things I've ever had had produced. They're also different too. I I've got some posted on my page. If you're in position, seen them. But that was a long some, time ago. Some of the uh, hybrid. Yeah, I I won't I'm do. I won't Look try it again. Yeah, I, I won't try it again because I know what the end result is. It's, it's just heartbreaking to watch those animals drop off and die one at a time. I had two litters of them. Each litter was about six babies, and out of each litter, one died shortly after birth. So I ended up with ten I raised up over the years. Never sold any of them, but um, they all started dying, and they never shed right. You always had to take them as soon as you saw them get opaque and put them in a bucket of water until you caught them right at the time when they were going to shed. There's a 12-hour window. If you didn't get that skin off within 12 hours, it was going to weld back on there. You'd never get it off. I lost a couple like ever, that. Learn that, that, too. Did you ever <laughs> try and breed any of the hybrids with the hybrids? Yeah. They bred like crazy, but they didn't produce anything. Huh. I, I got pictures of them. What? I said, I wonder if the genes just don't mix. Like, it's. I think the males were boys. sterile. I think the males were sterile, and the females could probably produce. But the one Amazon tree, well, I bred my female... They produced two babies for a very low fertility rate, you know? And they neither of right. survived very long. One survived a week, the other one died at birth. Interesting. Yeah. Well, but they are beautiful snakes. Yeah, they are. Um, some of the, probably my, my favorite cross that there is, I think. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, they just don't last. You know, do you know Corrales Burning Burning did some of those too? Who? Corrales Burning. Corrales Burning? I don't Yeah, that's his that's his his uh his name when he goes to Facebook, but I don't even know where he's from. He sent me a bunch of pictures that of snakes that he had too. And they all look like they were probably young adults like mine were and um I asked him if, if any of those were still around. He said no. They probably all died just like mine did. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've never, I don't know him. No, 
I, the first time I ever met him was when I posted one of mine up on the um, on Facebook and thought they were the first in the world to be done in captivity. But then he chimed in and says, oh, maybe she's, look at mine, you know? <laughs> so well, apparently I, I wasn't I just, the first. I think it's been done very few times. I don't think very many people have done it. I've only heard right. of a couple people doing it ever. So you're probably yep. one of maybe five. <laughs> five right. successful breeding. Yeah, I have no so, idea. So you're you're keeping these guys in display cages. You're not using tubs. Um or no. do you use tubs for part part of the life of the animal? Well, did you see my camera box racks? That's right, I have seen On those. The, I forgot you had those. Yeah. Well, I, I raised mostly babies and yearlings up in those. And once they get the outdoor big tubs, I put them in the cages. But those things so, hold, hold the humidity a lot better in my cages, though. I think that's more important for younger animals. Right, right. Yeah, I I have tubs for my Amazons, and uh, where I live, it's hard mm-hmm. with humidity. So I, I keep them in the tubs because I did have them in racks or in cages, but when come time to shed in my cages, they, I'd have really uh, tough sheds and I'd have to help them almost all That's the time. That's tough on a tree snake. Yep. Yeah, so. That's really hard on a tree snake. Once you get a, get a dry shed on one, if you don't get it back past the neck, it's staying out to the next shed. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I moved them all over to tubs changed my substrate because I didn't used to ha- use substrate and I used mm-hmm. I started using molt like uh, cocoa um, chips so I started That's using what that I use. and then um, I didn't skip feedings so instead of following the rodent out just to room temperature I'd put the rodent in water and make sure it was dripping with water and I didn't skip feedings um, during the right. non-breeding season and it kept the animals hydrated as well as helping with the humidity using the tubs and the, the substrate, and I didn't have any issues with shedding. So I've, I've had a lot of people that have reached out to me and tried to give me the sob story of why my Amazons aren't doing that well in tubs and that I need to move them all over to uh, display cages. And, well, you know, I know my collection, and I know... Yeah. What I had issues with. And you what know I what? What well, works for you is the right thing to do. Everybody could preach you to high heaven about what the, you, the way they do it. And it does, it's not going to work for you. It doesn't work for you. Yeah. I, I got, but I got worse for me. I don't tell yeah, anyone else how, how, to, how to keep their animals. But, uh, right. you know, they could be a different, totally different situation. You hire humidity, ambient humidity, and room or whatever. Everybody's got different I'm in setup. California, and it only rains about yeah. three and a half to four months out of the year. Right. So we we just don't have the humidity that I was used to in Florida. And I, right. don't get me wrong. Yeah. I I think I think for any Corrales, they're much better viewed in a display cage because they're such pretty animals. But at the end of the yeah. day, I try to go with what what is best for the animal, not what suits me. Yeah, do more works. It comes first. Right. 
If you don't do so a grocery animal, you're not going to have it. So you have you have two pairings going with the emerald this year. Are both of those hybrids or uh, integrates? I guess it's probably a better term. They will be. Yeah, they will be. Okay. The one fifty fifty cross that I have is sister to the one I bred last year that I lost the vision when I was in the hospital. So I'm really psyched to breed this one again. I'm thinking last year's breeding, maybe I bred her five I bred her five years old when she's probably just ready to breed for the first time. Now this year her sister is six years old. And I'm not gonna breed the one I bred last year, two years in a row, I'd only two years doing litters. So I'm really excited to see if this cross to cross breeding produces anything crazy again. Have you I'm really psyched about that gestation? What? I, I want to, it just again? kind of popped in my head. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Have you seen any differences okay. in gestation since, the, since they're integrates? Have you seen them go shorter or longer than what a straight northern or a straight basin would would go for? No, I compared notes with Ed Marino, and he was telling me to see basins go huge differences. I mean, some will, will go with like 150 days, I was 170. And I don't huh. see a whole lot of difference between uh, how these hybrids go. I keep records on everything. I write everything down. So I've got the gestation records and all my stuff. And um, I don't see a whole lot of difference between the northerns and the uh, and the basins and the um, hybrids. If I was going to say anything, I would say a hybrid is probably right in between northern and basin gestation. The basins go a little longer, but my basin didn't go that much longer this year. That's why I was asking. And I've never, I've never bred northern to northern. I've only done crosses and bred basins. That's it. I think northerns are a lot harder to breed. They're more tricky. They can be, from what I've heard. I haven't bred them either, but I know people that do work with them, and I've got, you know, I'm starting to kind of put together a little collection of them, and they yeah. say that they are, they can be pretty tricky. But just like yeah, well, that's, that's else, just me. I haven't had problems. Yep. Yeah, I was hoping that wasn't just my problem, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what we all hope for whenever we. Ha- run into those situations but so you yep. said you have your your two you have two pairings of 50-50s going so each parent is a 50-50 cross then no 50-50 okay. breeding to another 50-50 See, that's where you get the really crazy stuff now another okay. another my, my northern is ready to go again she last letter was 16 now it's 18 so she'd be ready to go again and uh, I'm gonna breed a basin of her. Do you the north the I guess do you know like what the locale is on any of the northern side of these hybrids? Like if they're Suriname or no. new locality or any of that stuff? You don't no idea. Every these cats are bred here, I have no idea what the localities are. You don't yeah. find that out where you get the imports, you know? Yeah, it's kinda of hard these days. I know Tony Nikolai used to have pretty good locale data yeah. on his with the Guianas and the and the new locale, right. I guess, which were the Brazilians. Um, but 
Uh, I don't know of anybody else that keeps the, that kind of data on theirs anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Tony had a real science going there. He's back in it, you know. Yep. I know you have some stuff, Ned. Yeah, he's got some. Uh, he's got a small group of uh, basins going, really nice ones. So I'm kind of excited yeah, to see what he does. Yep. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, what Tony gets gets going again. I this bought year, my first first basin from Tony. It was the most expensive thing I ever bought in my life. I paid three grand for it, and it was a full stripe, fully stripe male. I had a feeling I got from somebody else, and I wanted a male, so Tony sent me a, a male. He uh, brought them to the uh, Maryland show in Morris, I believe, the Morris show, and I saw it there. I gave a deposit on it. He sent it to me a few months later when it paid it off. <laughs> you know, it's funny because he uh, – I don't know if you ever get, get bored or whatnot, but I had him on the show um, – it was last year sometime and yeah. he was tell he was telling me on the show that he kept all of his um cages and all that stuff. So uh-huh. I think he dabbled with ball pythons for a little while, but he kept all of his cages and so he's he's completely set up to basically his only expense is the animals now, which granted isn't cheap, but He's got all his cases yeah. and stuff, and I don't, I don't know if he'd still use lamps or go a different heating route, but um, he's that's kind of funny that he kept everything. I guess in the back of his head, he well, went back down, into it. I went down his place about 20, 20, 25 years ago, Jacksonville, and visited him. He kept one of the cleanest collections I've ever seen in my life. I walked into his garage, and I was like, I felt bad not bad. About not taking my shoes off. That's where he kept all his animals at the time, and everything was spotless in there. It was crazy. All the gorilla cages yeah. were bought trays. That's where I got the, the idea from him from bought trays. Very easy to clean, and he had water in the bottom of all his gorilla trays. That's something I don't do with the water. It's just too clumsy to handle on a right. big big cage. But um. As far as the immunity goes and everything, there's no other way really with the malt, damn mulch in a uh, in a tray. It's fantastic. The whole bottom of the cage it evaporates water. Gives a good humidity. Yeah. He he's still got all those cages from what he said. So um, I'm sure he'll start filling them up here in the next year or two. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's he's so, he's go getter, you know. Right. So you've got you've got your emeralds going, um, and you pretty much breed them just like you bred. You, there was no differences in how you approached the breeding than when you did just the basins. You pretty much used the same protocol. Yeah, pretty much. I just watch the snakes and what they're doing at certain times of the year. And they'll tell you what they want, you know? Mm-hmm. You see when the males start prowling, the females start prowling at the same time. The females have put a lot of weight on real fast. They're eat, they'll eat like crazy. It's all in preparation for breeding, shutting down. So how do you approach them? Uh, when they're together, you mean? 
No, just just in general. I don't think we've talked about feeding yet, so I wanted to touch on it. Oh, I just, I I take the rats. I'm gonna feed them, and I throw them out in warm water, because I think that's the best way to do it. And I take a pair of 18-inch hemostats, and those snakes are so in tuned to what's going on. I always start the rats throwing out in a room of oh, about four hours before I start before I put them in water. So you had to start throwing out, and um, once that the smell of food gets around there, you better watch out because those snakes will grab you. They won't do it <laughs> when they're hunting. When they're hunting and there's no smell of food in the room, you it's safe to go in there. Even when they're hanging their heads down, you put your head under their jaw and bump on the bottom jaw, and they go completely right out of feeding mode. But they'll sniff your hand, and if it doesn't smell like a rodent, they won't grab it. I've I've done a couple of videos like that too. Show people about uh, how docile they are. I did it with the Amazons, huh. the Aloes, and the Emeralds. One of my big but, goals that I've done ever since, you know, I started keep started the uh, YouTube channels to kind of debunk the uh, the rumors about Amazon Treebows and how aggressive they are. Well, Treebow is yeah, I guess, but but. Uh, they get kind of a bad rap, um, similar to what happened with Condor. Yeah. But I think it's because people based all their all their info off of you know one generation imports. of wild caught animals. Yeah. Yep. So. And the imports, you know, just, they're all newsome when they catch them. You know, those natives don't want to right. get bit. The collectors don't want to get bit in the jungle. Can turn into an infection and kill them. Right. But uh, I've got, I've only got like. Uh, Three calicos and a tiger, and um, and one normal one, real pretty, like Gandicky, yellow and orange, and mm-hmm. not one of those animals will ever try to bite you. Are you, are you staying nice? One. Are you sticking with Amazon's too, or are you get, are you selling those? No, I'm going to stick with my Amazon's. I just got the calicos. And uh, I got okay. a tiger for keeping his beak. So he's got some really nice animals. Right. So do you keep those? I never did any emeralds? Um, uh, the only difference is I'm provided with a hide box in a cage. Because emeralds never use a hide box. The Amazons are half half of it freezing, half on the ground. Yeah, and you love to too. But, um,. I just give them a hide box in there. Same humidity, same air circulation, everything. I think the Amazons can tolerate less air circulation in the cage than the emeralds can. I think the emeralds are a canary in coal mine when it comes to air quality. It's really got to be fresh. That's a big problem, I think, in the past. I learned that the hard way. Can you find your Amazons on the same schedule? Uh, no, a little more often than my emeralds. I probably gotcha. feed my Amazons depending on size. How big they are. My big adult female, I probably feed her like once every three weeks. Where if there's a, I got a big emerald now, I'll feed them like once a month, once every six weeks. And the younger rounds eat more often accordingly to their size and age. Right. The Amazon, yeah, the younger Amazon, got the ones that are raising up for Keith, are just powerhouse feeders. 
They almost oh, never yeah. refuse Mine food. Always eat. Yeah, yep. never. I don't no, want to eat them because you don't want to eat them. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. I mean, I see. I was going to say when I hear people post about um, picky, uh, picky Amazons, I just, I scratch my head. I think you probably need to take it to yeah. the vet because <laughs> right. that's just so uncharacteristic right. of them. Right. Yep. Something's not right there if you got a picky Amazon. Yeah. They're like a retic, so, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, with yep. with us talking about with us talking about feeding, I want to take a chance. I, I got to hit on one of my sponsors here real fast. Um, if you guys haven't, uh, if you guys don't know Levi or, or Forest Fanning with Cold Blooded Cafe, um, they produce uh, some really really solid uh, feeder rodent. So if you yep. um, aren't happy with your current suppliers, uh, to the listeners, hit up Forest. Let them know that I sent you. He'll give you ten percent off your first order. And uh, he also supplies some of the some of the bigger breeders around the country now. So, um, you know, he's got a great company, and everything that you pay for, you're going to get proper weights on those on those rodents, and there's not going to be any fecal matter or anything like that in the bags. So, you know, your animals right. are what they eat. So, let them know. Um, but, you know, getting back on track with uh, with what you were saying, John, I think I think. With the Amazons, I think it's really important to, um, you know, I I see people. So I have a little bit of a diverse collection. I guess this is, that's where this this comment's coming from, and I try to keep everything on the same schedule, but yeah, my my animals that I have to be a little bit more careful of feeding. I have a couple species that are like that, like my scrub pythons and my emerald tree boas. I don't, they are yeah. the ones that I don't feed on the same schedule as everything else. And right. um, because you can't, you can overfeed them and then you run into all kinds of problems. And I think when folks sure. keep different species and they try and feed them all on the same schedule, um, I think you can run into issues there because there's no doubt you know, about it. Physiologically, they're just not built to, well, look at the two streams, berms and emeralds. You couldn't keep that on the same page if it was if it kill them, you know? Right, right. Yeah, the, you know, the, the Amazons, are, they have such fast metabolisms. You can, you can get yeah. them up to size pretty, pretty quick, but you, you, can't, you can't get an emerald to breeding size in three years, at least not a female. You can't pump and, emeralds, yeah. You can't. You got to take your time with them, or you'll kill them. They'll start regurging. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that. They want to get these emerald tree boas and raise them up within three years to be adults, and it doesn't happen like that. That's Ed Marino understands that very well because he's been doing it for, 30, for all his life. You know, right? The emeralds are the only snakes he ever bred. So if anyone he really starts to thinking. I'm going to get into emerald tree boas to make money or to turn a profit or to breed in the next one or two years. I'd say they're probably not the species for you. They're definitely, definitely not. Definitely. You know, anybody animals. Into breeding reptiles just to make money is going to be facilities. Whenever it happens, the animals that will suffer and the, the, uh, 
because the people's importance goes to the to the money. That's not good for the animals. You know, money, money animals don't mix. Right. I right. do because I love the animals and I want to produce some crazy stuff out there. I don't care how long it takes me. I'll do it till the day I die. You know. Yeah, and that's the mindset you have to have if you're going to keep uh, emerald tree boas. Is that you got to be patient and you got to know like. For me, when I started getting into emerald, I thought, you know, I had researched them enough beforehand anyways, and I had kept a lot of stuff, so I was prepared for the, the requirements that they, they needed. But I knew getting into it that this is going to be that species that's going to be on the sidelines for a while, and I'm just going to yeah. enjoy raising them up just as much as breeding them whenever that time comes. And when it comes, it comes, but I'm yeah. not going to force it. Right. Now, you could breed carp pythons like crazy and breed them in 18 months with males and three years of females, and they had no problems with them. But uh, emeralds are just a different story. And once an animal breeds prolifically, it loses its value very fast because the market becomes flood with them. That's going to take a long time with emeralds, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that will ever happen. I don't you think it think will. The same thing I about think, conjures, though. I think. Well, I, I think with emeralds, it. I think emeralds are more niche than conjures, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. I, I, at least that's how I see them. I, I see Amazons even really niche. Um, I mean, there's a lot of yeah. Amazons out there, but quality top shelf Amazons, there's not too many. And once you keep them long yeah, enough, you learn right. which what to what to look for. The yes. emeralds, I just don't think there's enough people that are willing to put in the time to breed them. I, I think it keeps the species really, in check for, for you, being you over You've got to be able to humanly patient with them. Right. You know, and, and I think that's why there's not tons of people jumping in at it. Yeah, because it does take long for them to breed, and you are going to have some growing pains, and a lot of people don't want to put in that kind of work. Yeah. Now, Ed Marino deals with a lot of people that come to him, ask him, and tell him they're going to breed these things in two or three years, and he just laughs at it because he knows it's not going to happen. <laughs> he knows that people are going to kill the snakes they bought, and uh, it's going to be under their interest in emeralds, you know? Right. Oh, these yeah. don't do good captive, but you got to know how to keep them. Yeah, and you know, probably the best thing to do is to start off with female because then you can, you know, you don't need to get a male till the following year, and you can just kind of yeah. raise your female up and and put a year, year and a half on her when, and then start looking for a male, and then you can get a pair at you know hey, where yeah, they come to maturity at the same time. That is the way to do it for sure. So, do you sell any of your Amazon babies or or any of your Emerald babies, or do you not? I mean, I was kind of curious what your how you go about pricing yours. I haven't sold anything yet because I'm starting to build a colony now. I want to be doing it for about three years, but I want to get a good number of animals before I start to sell them. I may even be able to sell some this year. We'll see. But if I do, it'll be fifty fifty crosses. They won't gotcha. be the, the 
They won't be the cross that come 50-50 to 50-50. They'll be the ones that come 50-50 to Northern if they're going to sell any of them. Because the 50-50 to the 50-50 proves the craziest stuff out there. That's how Noe Perez actually got this crazy weight out animal years ago. So, so the ones that she would be offering up would be 75% Northern and 25% uh, Basin. No, they should be 50% Northern, 50% Basin, because I'm going to bring the Basin to Northern. I bred my yeah, cross to Northern to produce the 25% Basin, yeah. 75% Northern. Yeah, so those are the ones that you would be selling if you were selling any. I was just clarifying for the people that are tuning in that may want to hit you up and, and see what you have. Yeah. Yeah, if I have anything for sale, that's what it's going to be. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't even want to talk price about them right now because I don't even know if I'm going to – I didn't even breed them, didn't even pair them up yet. And who knows if we're going to get anything on them. And who knows what they look sure. like, you know? The pretty right. ones are obviously the more money. The really nice ones and the less attractive ones would be cheaper. Gotcha. Well – what does your five-year plan look like with your Corrales project? Well, I want to keep breeding better and better crosses. I got my 75 percenters um, this year, the first time I've ever done that, and I want to keep on doing some more of those as they turn out. Like, I'll see how they look in a year. And I'll decide what I can do more after that year and see how first letter turns out. Because they change a lot. Yeah, they do. And for us, especially. Especially, you know, they they all go through an autogenic color change. So, you know, you have to kind of hold on to them to wait till they start to to go green before you can really tell what their adult colors are going to look like. I mean, yeah. you can kind of guess, but... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not talking about the color change. I'm talking about after that. Some of them get more oh, blues coming on. Yeah. Gotcha. And then and the basins, I mean, they're struggling to evolve until they turn green, you know? Right. So, it's how big are... How big are your integrates compared to just the straight basins that you have? They're not a whole lot different in size. I got my huh. biggest emerald is is one I believe was produced by Tony Nikolai, and this thing is it's got a head on it. It looks like it's on steroids. Its head is probably as big as your hand, and its um its body is like solid as a rock. It's like it's on steroids. It's crazy. And is she's the, the biggest emerald I got. What's that? Is the temperament any different? Um, you know what? She doesn't go after you when you open the cage up, but I keep my eye on her. You know, you don't know something you want to get nailed by. And if there's food in there, you wouldn't take a chance with her because she she grabs you. She got teeth. Like almost three quarters of inch long. That would be a bad bite. Yeah, I bet it would. 
Yeah. You know something? I was, uh, Keith McPeak was over here on Saturday helping me probe with Mel Bakeson out. I just got from a friend of mine, and when I opened the cage up, he struck at the heat panel, just the, the commotion. There was no food in the room or anything. I thought it might be a feeding, feeding reaction, but apparently not, because when we had him out, I was holding the front portion of him, the head. I wasn't holding behind the head. I was just holding. I never hold an animal by the head or any snakes by the head. So he was probing it for me, and um, he couldn't get in. It's supposed to be a male, but it was so tense, he said, I never felt a snake that tense before. And that snake opened his mouth, and it, and it raked one tooth across my arm. And that's why he decided to put it back. Because if he give you a full bite, it will be bad. He's got a big head on so that's the one I want to try to breed my northern this year if he proves to be healthy and everything, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of... So? I've kind of... I've wanted to get into them and wanted to try them out, but I just never have. You know, I'm, I'm base kind of more of the... Well, I've wanted to try the basins out, Um and I've looked at the uh, the crosses because I love the white pattern on them, you know, and how yeah. how uh, striking it is. But I have this; it's just hard for me to get around that integrate mindset, right. you know, knowing that that they're part they're part caninus and part basi. Yep, it's not for everybody. I just love the look of them. Usually, oh, yeah, they, they look a fantastic. Lot, a lot more. They usually get much better lateral morgues on the sides. And um, a lot of them come, come through with a lot of blue on the sides, too. But they're, well, they're not any harder to take care of than a basin. And a basin is, you know, and they're gentle. They're great, great animals. Some of them so will have... Some bigger head plates on them, and some will have really small scales in the head, like a basin. Gotcha. So, it if is a variation to get a hold of, so if anyone wanted to get a hold of you, um, could you put your contact information out there? We're kind of getting to the end of the show, but you know, I wanted to to make sure folks had a way to get a hold of you, just in case um, they had some questions or maybe building their own. Integrate yeah, my face. Best way to do it would be my Facebook page. It's that's at Corrales Creations. I'm sorry, it's not that's that's my email. My my name is John Martin, and it's my Facebook page it just says John Martin on it. And anybody with any questions could always message me over Facebook, and I could PM them back a private message or something. Well, there you have it, then. What's so, that? John, I said, well, there you have it. Well, John, I really appreciate yeah. you coming on and, uh, you know, letting us get a glimpse of what goes into uh, these animals and keeping them and breeding them. And I just would encourage anybody that's listening that uh, hasn't had a chance yet to cruise over to John's Facebook page and look at some of the pictures he has. He's got some spectacular animals. All of his animals, you know, John, you're all, you keep everything impeccable. You keep a really clean cage. Your cages look awesome. 
And uh, if anybody like me and likes to look at setups, you can definitely find some pretty cool pictures on your page. So, yeah, just want to want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem, Jeff. I appreciate the phone call. You get get me on right. cross rail. This is my <laughs> first time ever doing this, so well, thanks for walking me through. Yeah, but I see one on. All right, John. Well, you have a good night and uh, enjoy the rest of your week going into the weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. You too, Jeff. Have a good day. We'll see you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So, everybody, just want to thank you for listening. Uh, Make sure you um, reach out to our sponsors. Um, If anyone of you guys uh, keep uh, arboreal or semi-arboreal animals and you uh, do use tub setups, I would encourage you to reach out to one of our other sponsors, Dave Brown's uh, Specialty Enclosure Designs. Uh, You can reach him on Facebook um, or uh, just uh, through Google. He's got a website, specialenclosuredesigns.com. He's got some great uh, products. Um, he makes all of his own perch, perch designs, little little knickknacks, um, magnetic like perch holders, uh, uh, water bowl holders that attach to the perch, things that are specifically geared to arboreal and semi-arboreal animals, whether they be true perchers or maybe draping animals. Um, he's got a lot of really cool options, so I encourage you to go check him out, and uh, hopefully he can uh, he can get you all squared away with with uh, with whatever you you need and and he may offer a discount i'm not sure if he's still running a discount he was offering a 10 percent off on all of his perching uh items that were were bought um on your first i guess your first time um but you may be able to uh to hit him up and he could probably work something out for you possibly i'm not sure um but uh, just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in and uh, just, you know, we've had a lot of great support and um, our last sponsor is shipyourreptiles.com. You guys don't forget uh, shipping is a major part of this hobby and you want to ba- make sure you're shipping your animals with someone that knows what they're doing and that's a great company and that's going to stand behind you if you ever have something that go- goes wrong. So make sure you hit up Robin at shipyourreptiles.com. Use Rep 45, and you'll get a 40% discount off your FedEx rate, uh, which is great. And until next time, you guys have been listening to Corralis Radio.